Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. God bless you, get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, we have spent the past few weeks talking with the demographic that has been most influential uh, during really the past couple of election cycles, 2016, 2018, finally getting their acknowledgement, if not everything they demand, that's another conversation, but at least getting the acknowledgement of the political power they've have and have always had. We're talking about African-American women, the very prominent hashtag these days, win, with black women. So we've got a couple of very, very special guests with us today. First of all, the president, CEO, and co-founder of Higher Heights for America. And Higher Heights, of course, is at the center of the national movement to grow black women's political power from the voting booth to elected office. The CEO of Higher Heights, Glenda Carr, is with us. Welcome to you, Glenda, to make it plain. Thanks for having us. Thank you for being here. Serving in her fifth term as an elected official, the first black woman elected to the Columbia, South Carolina 
city council and the first African-American to be elected citywide is Tamika Devine from Columbia, South Carolina. Tamika, welcome to you. How are you? Oh, thank you, Mark, for having me. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm just fine. Uh, and of course, it's a pleasure to have you both. Um, did Now, did both of you, I'm pretty sure you did, you both signed that letter um, the final weekend before Kamala Harris was chosen, correct? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and, and we all know the difference um, that has made. She is on the ticket. Let's start our conversations, though, if you don't mind, with, with something insightful, if you will. In other, uh, not, not I-N-S-I-G-H-T, but I-N-C-I-T-E. Let's take a listen to what y'all's president said the other day. By the way, you know who's further left than crazy Bernie? Kamala. 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 By the so, way, you know so, who's further so that's, left? That's him repeating her name like it's some, uh, mispronouncing as a matter of fact, like it's some type of, uh, uh, of, an, of an incantation uh, uh, <laughs> or something. And then he would go on to say that if she were the president, it would be an insult to our country. Let's take a listen uh, to, that, to that, too, if we could. You know, when they started knocking down the monuments and statues a few months ago, right, I signed a very strong executive order. You want to knock them down, that's fine, but you go to jail for 10 years. It was amazing. Stop. And then they said, well, we'll do it easily. We'll do it through the process because, you know, they don't want to spend 10 years. You know, they'd look at it. They'd say, not worth it. 10 years is too much. But the D.C. committee, did you see about that? They want to change the name of the Washington Monument. They want to get rid of the Lincoln Monument, Jefferson Monument. Now we're talking the big stuff. They finally hit the big time. Took them a while to get there, but I said that was going to happen. Don't worry about it. You don't have a thing to worry about. If our foreign adversaries were devising a scheme to cripple America, they could hardly do better than the Biden, Kamala Harris, Kamala. Remember Kamala, she started at 15, she was supposed to win. Problem was she went from 15 to 14, to 12, to 10, to seven, to four. It's like a free fall. You know why people don't like her? Nobody likes her. She could never be the first woman president. She could never be. That would be an insult to our country. You know? um, so there you have it. Glenda, let, let, me, let me ask you to react to what, first, to what Trump said. Where do you want me to start? Um, and so at the end of the day, there is, you know, the work of Higher Heights is around creating the environment for Black women to vote, run, win, and lead. And so we probably um, uh, supported Senator Harris for her bid to be the second Black woman to serve in the U.S. Senate in our nation's history. We stood with her when she boldly ran for president. Um, uh, and then we you know, worked tirelessly to ensure that um, Vice President Biden chose a Black woman. Um, and I just would want to pull back 
um, the process for a moment um, because we did end up with a qualified vice president candidate who comes with her lived experience as a woman who identifies as a black woman with a variety of other identities that at the end of the day there were four black women on his short list on vice president biden's short list as he mentioned and there were six black women that were on the longer list of potential candidates and that says a lot about black women's leadership and about this moment we issued a poll of likely voters in seven swing states and those voters said that they believed that the ticket needed a woman of color, a black woman, and not a white woman, and that they were looking for the next generation of leaders, someone that could make history, and someone that was a unifier. So to react to Donald Trump is the reaction that we believed would happen, regardless if it was a black woman or a woman. This country only talks about likability when you talk about women's leadership, and particularly black bold women's leadership. If you go back, if we rewind what Donald Trump said in, in, in the Democratic primary, his biggest threat was Kamala Harris. So who is still his biggest threat? Kamala Harris. And so he is finding himself digging into the very long stereotypes around women's leadership. And so it is the disrespect of, of calling her not frankly by her first name, uh, and not her titled name as an elected official and mispronouncing that name um, and talking once again about a like likability. Nothing about her qualifications and about the lived experiences, lived experiences that she will bring to the administration as a, a Black woman. Um, and so I'll stop there. Tamika, what's your reaction? Glenda certainly, Glenda certainly hit a lot of it on the head. I mean, the thing about... Um, Donald Trump is he, you know, he is, he's very insecure and he's a narcissist. And so in order for him to make himself feel better and then certainly um, generate excitement or enthusiasm, whatever you want to call it within his base, he, he tries to approach things in a personal attack way. The thing about Kamala is the fact that as attorney general for the state of Florida, she did a phenomenal job. She is more than qualified. And so he cannot attack her on any of those qualifications as someone who ran for president successfully. I mean, out of a great out of a great uh, field, you know, certainly she had a lot of excitement. Um, and then as the, the chosen nominee for vice president, he can't figure out how to tag her, how to um, get her. So he's trying to do personal attacks and really in the personal attacks, he can't think of really anything but to try and make her name sound something foreign for people to be scared of or for him to, you know, talk about her not being likable. And so I think for Donald Trump, we're, we're going to really have an opportunity to see uh, Senator Harris in her glory as she debates the current vice president, Vice President Pence, and as she continues on the, the campaign trail to uh, really hit Donald Trump in the areas where he is vulnerable. And that is everything showing that he is not qualified for the position that he currently holds and is now running for. And so we expected these kind of attacks. And so, you know, I think that if that's all he has, then bring it on. That's one thing that worries me, the debate between Senator Harris and Pence, because I remember when Pence shared the stage with Clint Eastwood at the convention four years ago, the Republican convention, or was that a, a chair with Clint Eastwood? <laughs> but, Empty chair. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Kamala's bad, but I don't know how many people are going to stay tuned in to someone 
debating a chair. I mean, it's almost unfair. They should just concede if it comes to that. But but Glenda, how do you think? Clearly, she she got on the ticket, uh, which is a great thing. I was one of the hundred black men that also signed onto the letter in support of a black woman candidate and in defense specifically of the attacks against uh, Kamala Harris and all that stuff that Chris Dodd said um, about you know her being too ambitious. Are you, Glenda, happy with the way the campaign is going? And I have to ask this. Is the campaign utilizing Kamala Harris's talents, skills, cachet, popularity enough? Is she as visible as she ought to be? I'm just asking. What do you think, Glenda? I mean, obviously, as a Black woman, she's all in my feed. So at the end of the day, at the announcement, it was a prideful moment for African-Americans. It was a prideful moment for women. And it was a prideful women, uh, moment, particularly for Black women. Um, on the legacy of the woman that is, uh, portrait is in the back of my my shoulder, right? Um, Kamala Harris embodies Shirley Chisholm's unbought and embossed leadership. And then you all tune into what the Democratic convention was going to look like. And she stepped on that stage and carried every black woman in our history to that stage. And then uniquely talked about her experience of all of her multi identities, not just her ethnic identity, her identity as a woman, but also all of the cultural identities that many black women um, belong to in, in African-Americans, you know, historically black colleges, being a member of a, uh, a black organization and, and particularly a historically black Greek letter organization. At the end of the day, they raised $48 million in 48 hours and they've raised $300 million in a, in a month. What's changed? Kamala Harris being on that ticket has changed. And so she has um, pushed the breath of life into this campaign and has boldly um, been out in the Zoom streets. And as you can see, boldly stepped off that plane in her chucks in the actual streets, um, campaigning and introducing her to many, being in conversations with those who want to know more about her and her record, um, which is what informed voters do. I'm a member of the same sorority. And so I happen to be a woman that wears pink and green and I'm almost tired with my sores on my timeline about their excitement about Kamala Harris. And all of these HC, I, I didn't go to a historically black college, so don't don't call Mark. <laughs> uh, but these HU folk out in these streets, yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, people have been introduced to black culture and black excellence in a way that her legacy, um, if elected, um, transcends. She will be, I, I told her this, I was like, you are the daughter of Shirley Chisholm, and there will be daughters and great granddaughters and great granddaughters of Kamala Harris when you look at history. And she will help, I think, um, expose uh, a broader um, a broader electorate, a broader community around the Black excellence that come out of HBCUs and our leadership organizations like historically Black Greek letter organizations. So I get points for my, my green shirt today. <laughs> yes. Tamika, Tamika, are you... Are you a member of this sorority as well? So no, but I give all Panhell love to them. I am a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. In the <laughs> oh, you say my my, my Delta. 
my delta q yes yes so my husband is an omega and i'm a delta and um my husband went to benedict college a historical black college uh, here in columbia south carolina and i went to hampton university the other hu um so i i, I agree with glenda I, I mean i can't say that enough i mean that is one thing that since that announcement I have seen so much pride and excitement in the community regarding that. And and I, I did an interview on a local uh, radio show here about a week or so ago. And I told them that, you know, it was hard to, the, the night of, I posted a, a picture of Senator Harris with my daughters um, when she was in town and I took them to see her. And I and I said, I, ha I really can't explain what I'm feeling right now. And that's all I posted. And, um, and so my husband asked me, he said, what are you feeling? And I said, it's just, I had so much emotion. I really couldn't translate it that night. And on the radio show, the, the host asked, he, he said, well, what can you explain it now? And I said, yeah, I said, you know, so many times we, particularly the African-American community, but definitely we as black women have pushed other candidates. We have, we have gone door to door. We have canvassed. We have made phone calls. We've donated our $25 or whatever we had uh, to help support other candidates. Um, but it's, it's not always us. And, and sometimes we're promised certain things, but then we get overlooked and we go on and say, okay, we're, we're, we're going to take one for the team and we're going to still be part of making this happen. And we're out there. Um, and although I was part of the group that was pushing for the selection, I don't know if I 100% believed it would happen. Um, and it happening made me feel like, we are seen, we are heard, um, and there's a value, although we've always known our value, it, it is a value that was acknowledged. Um, and as Glenda said, I mean, this is an amazing candidate. I mean, Senator Harris is an amazing candidate with amazing qualifications. And as you look at um, everything that she's bringing to the table, you do, you sit here like, you know, I'm HBCU proud all the time. I'm wearing my shirt. I'm wearing my colors. I'm Delta down. Um, but I had so many white friends, like, you know, when she did the divine nine shout out there, they had no idea. And I have white friends who think that sorority life ends at college and, you know, that's what they're used to. And they have been, been, um, educated about the cultures and the different aspects that Senator Harris brings to the table. So I think that helps bring the excitement. And then I think when you look at the qualifications and the things that she will help push forward as far as policy issues that will be not only important just to the African-American community, but as you invest in and promote things and policies that help African-American community, you help the entire country. And so I think people are then saying, okay, yes, we get past the excitement and the pride, but now we actually see somebody who hears us, who sees us, who is part of us, and who will be part of making the changes that will make things better. Yeah, yeah and I would just add to that, because we're about to take over your show, Mark, um, <laughs> is that in 2020, Black women are demanding our return on our voting investment. And that's the, in the form of policies that directly impact Black women, our families, and our communities. And we are claiming seats at decision-making 
And so we also didn't take any of that for granted. And there's been like long standing like pressure and work around the vice president. Once he said he was choosing a woman for it to be a black woman, there was a letter that, um, you know, we helped to organize and over, you know, 700 black women signed that letter back in April, like February or March. There were inside conversations, there were conversations, there were meetings, there was social media pressure. And then just that pile on in those last days when at the end of the day, there were four black women on a short list. But as um, Tamika said, we weren't like, even though there was four black women, we still not gonna trust this, that that pressure that shows if people didn't understand the organizing power of black women, we have completely shown how we unleash, right? And, mm-hmm. and yes, we organize through organizations like Higher Heights, but at the end of the day, the power is that when you fire up a black woman, she doesn't go to the polls alone. She brings her house, her block, her church, her sorority, and her union. And we've always done that, but it is a, a, a bigger lens to show how we are unleashing the organizing power. The, the, the fact that um, people have taken to their, their tablets and their computers and making donations and the nominations of years their organizations were founded, the years their universities were founded, um, to wanting to host parties, to making their own lawn signs, just shows the power of when a black woman tells you, you know, you need to start ordering your absentee ballot <laughs> um, and figuring out your early vote date. Um, and these are watching, and, and Tamika, you probably see this, watching my, what I call my everyday friends. So the people that don't do this for a living on my social feed, they mm-hmm. are literally fighting folk <laughs> on their social feed, giving information, and starting to organize, not only just because the one thing I agree with Donald Trump from the Democratic, I mean, from the Republican convention, he said it then and he said it um, uh, again last week, this is the most important election in our lifetime. And I was like, I agree with you, Donald Trump. Now, I agree that it's the most important election because you got to go. Um, and so we might disagree on why that um, they're not only organizing because that is what black women have historically done in every election cycle. We are organizing because there's a record number of black women running for office from the bottom of the ballot all the way to the top of the ballot. Yeah, no, I, I, and it's, it's totally fine to take over the show. It's, it's been with black women. I, I welcome you to do that. I, I guess though, what, what I was trying to ask or say, and maybe it's just me, while obviously she's in our timelines, is the media, covering her in these streets as much as they should. Because I, I think that's important because of the historic moment we're in. Um, and because Franklin, I'll get to this in a minute, our community, particularly younger voters, including younger black women, have been targeted on social media against her. Yeah. I mean, and not random. Yeah. It's a very scientific trolling modified thing that's going on. And so that's the thing that concerns me while, you know, in, in our circles, it's real. But it just concerns me when I see a little bit of her campaigning on television and more of Trump. I mean, let's be honest, they don't even cover Biden that much, but they'll cover Biden more than Harris. But I think our people and, frankly, some of those white women you're talking about to me, because white women actually like Kamala. Mm-hmm need to see her more coverage of her visibly with with the Chuck E. T's. What, what do you think, Tamika? 
No, I, I think definitely. I, I think it has gotten better, actually, Mark. When I think about, like, so last week, there was, I think there was a lot more as far as her going to Wisconsin and, and doing some other things that I think could have been used by the campaign in a more strategic way to reach the voters. With that said, though, I will say that this week they've done a little bit better. And so I, I think it's going to kind of continue to ramp up. But I agree. I think she, when you see uh, Senator Harris um, and you see not just, you know, her competence, but also see her, you know, being out with her chucks and just kind of somebody that you could actually hang out with or you could see at, you know, at a baseball game or something. I think the more folks see that, they'll, they'll know more about her. So I think that that will come. But to your point, I guess, about the the targeted, um, we have got to make sure that we we understand what is being put out there and that we are engaging our community, especially the younger folks about her. And I, I had a, I did a podcast earlier this week and I was on there with a couple millennials and there were two young African-American men and they were saying that how, although they are voting, that they have lots of friends who still say they're not voting because it's two white men and they don't, you know, they just don't feel like they have a choice. And I, so I asked them the question, I said, do they understand about voting for people versus issues. And there is no way that you can tell me that not voting in this election and allowing this current administration to continue on will be advancing issues that are important to the African-American community. And they actually thought about it in a different way because they had not been talking about issues. They had been talking about the people. And so I think that Senator Harris can hopefully help bring those issues of importance. But I think that also is where us and our community can help and, and bring those issues on. When you look at you know, the, the judges, I mean, just the judges alone, when you're talking about criminal justice reform, women's reproductive rights, I mean, there are so many issues you're, you're talking about. I mean, this whole thing that the president talks about um, uh, protecting the suburbs, what in the world does protecting the suburbs mean? And how is that advancing issues that are important to the African-American community? When you bring it down to the issues, and I think that's where we have to help the campaign, continue to bring it down to the issues and why is that important? Um, and then utilize our forms of media. I mean, Glenda talked about, you know, the, the social media part of it. I mean, we have communities, we have people who follow us who will not follow the mainstream media. So we've got to use our platforms in order to bring those issues and bring them home to, to uh, and to make them, break them down to a way that's important to the folks who may not be as encouraged to vote. And I would just add that um, I was actually looking for a statistic that I couldn't find readily, but the Women's Media Center covers uh, women in media, and particularly during elections. And so um, Senator Harris not being not showing up in um, media is not is not um, targeted towards just her. Women running for office actually disproportionately don't get mentioned. If you go back to the Democratic primary, you could see the comparison of mentions um, in social media, mentions in um, broadcast media, and mentions in in um, in you know um, news media, new, like newspapers. And so historically, women don't get covered anyway. So we need to continue to call you know call that out, and um, particularly call out. Um, I, I, I give good faith unintentional or intentional biases around the way we cover women and black women. So you, you, you mentioned earlier, Mark, this notion of ambition and all of a sudden ambition is a negative when it, it comes to a black woman, you know, having a clear plan for her leadership. It, it was um, negatively 
shaped uh, around Stacey Abrams. It was negatively shaped around Kamala Harris. At the end of the day, I want my elected leaders and my corporate leaders to be ambitious. <laughs> they make better leaders. And until a Black woman shows some ambitions, now now we're clutching pearls that, you know, she's, she's um, too ambitious. So that being said, I do agree that it is finding those traditional routes. I think that, you know, watching the campaign, they're, you know, they're working um, to connect her to younger voters or just non-traditional. Um, so if y'all saw Versus last week um, mm-hmm. with Monica and Brandy, which not necessarily young voters. I mean, that's like, uh, <laughs> in my head, I'm a millennial. But I'm just fascinated by some of these platforms that um, started during COVID-19, right? And so to watch Brandy and um, Monica hit 1.2 million people watching. And if you watched it, the, the analytics was they hit 1.2 million uh, viewers. It stayed 1.1 for over an hour. And so the brilliance, like I was like brilliant with Kamala Harris dropping into that Versa, connected her to probably people that don't follow mainstream um, mainstream media. And frankly, y'all know we don't, most of us only read headlines. So if it's an article about people that we're following and they're not in a headline, most likely people aren't reading past the headlines anyway. And at the end of the day, Kamala Harris has been a clear target towards not only foreign interference around disinformation, but um, um, domestic um, targets. And so, and we're talking about millions of dollars that were targeted towards African-American women since 2014. And you see a, a steady increase in that, um, that, that disinformation campaign and the amount of money being targeted towards African-American men this cycle. Yeah, yeah. No, th- th- that's, that's important. And frankly, I'm, I'm familiar with Women's Media Center. I'm sure we can probably also trace um, Kamala's struggles and challenges in the primary to the dearth of media coverage and significant media coverage. But Tamika kind of addressed it, Glenda. Um, um, tell us a bit more about your thoughts. So well, more specifically, what other ways can we really reach millennials and Gen Z to let them know just how important it is to vote. Somehow, um, and and I can't completely knock it, it's just the timings are off. We don't need this right now. Uh, (laughs) The the ambivalence that they have toward elected officials in general, that, you know, they don't really do anything when they get in office, we can't hold them accountable. And that's not completely untrue. You know, Tamika here is an exception. I'm sure their colleagues that Tamika serves with, they could probably do a little bit better in terms of accountability. Um, but what can what what would you say to those even listening now, who say, you know, what's the point? You know, they don't care about me. Um, why should I even bother to vote? I would say that democracy doesn't begin and end on election day, um, and so for us to build an America that we all can believe in. Um, it is about the work of our democracy and that, that yes, that does mean um, being informed voters, but it is also about creating the environment for our elected officials to be champions on our issues and our policies and to hold those accountable. And that includes you deciding, and we all have a role to play. It may be, as Mark talked about, us hitting the streets and being protesters and disruptors to be able to create the environment for change, to us being activists and architects of advocacy moments 
to us stepping off the sidelines and running for office. At the end of the day, every single thing that we do is attached to a public policy, which is tied to a political, to an elected official. And so for us to actually create economically thriving, educated, healthy, and safe communities, that it is actually going to take all of us. And it is being able to have those non-judgmental conversations. I mean, I know we all have started coming from a different generation in the way we talk. At the end of the day, what motivates me is that I used to sit on my great-grandmother's lap, frankly, until I was 25 years old. She's a woman that was born in 1895 and died shy of her 100th birthday. Mm -hmm. And so for me, being able to see not one generation, but several generations of my family not having a right to vote, that motivates me. At the end of the day, for those who use that narrative, that is not a narrative that works for all of us. We are not a monolithic voting block. And so it is about us testing new messages. And I think this cycle, you'll see innovation on the way that we're using our macro influencers, Cardi B and the Beyonce's of the world, but frankly, the micro influencers, which is my friend, Latasha, who's a social worker who is hitting, you know, who frankly, uh, according to Nielsen's 2017 report on African-American women consumer is that everybody looks to black women as trendsetters, right? And it's not just Cardi B, it is us checking like, oh, how does Tamika wear her hair today? And what's in the back of her Zoom? That we actually are the, the best influencers and it's that peer to peer. And so it is getting generations to talk to generations. So our Gen Z's who may be voting for the first time, time and, and literally doing the, the research that historically we've not been funded to do to find out what is the message that's going to resonate um, across all of our um, our own constituencies within the Black community. Um, Tamika, you feeling confident with with enthusiasm that you're seeing in your circles and with the application of what you and um, Linda have described in terms of reaching millennials and Gen Z, you feel confident that this can happen and that the, the the Harris-Biden ticket, I'm sorry, I said Harris-Biden, didn't I? The Biden-Harris, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, win the White House? You know, Mark, I, I do feel confident, but I, I mean, I, I feel confident because I know that we've got to put in the work, and I know folks who are dedicated to putting in the work, um, you know, these last 50-some-odd days to make sure that it happens. Um, it can't be, you know, a one-touch and that's it. It's got to be a constant out there listening. You know, earlier today, I had a, a call with a millennial who had some concerns with the city, and his big thing is, you know, I, I love having this platform for you guys, but I want to make sure y'all are hearing me. I want to make sure you're listening to what I'm saying. And I shared with the mayor, I said, you know, that's all he wants is, is to feel like his voice is being heard. And that's what we've got to do is make sure that we understand that all these things that they're bringing forward, that their voices can be heard, but kind of how do we make that, that play? And Glenda talked about those roles that we all play. We've got to understand we all have different roles. I mean, for, your role may be, you know, the, the disruptor and the agitator. Your, may, your role may be the policymaker. Your, may be, your role may be you know, the folk who is organizing, getting people together, we all have our roles to play, but look how powerful we are when we bring all those roles together towards a common goal. And so I, that's why I'm so confident because we've got a plan here locally. We've got with Vice President Biden and Senator Harris at the top of the ticket, but we've got some local races here. Our statewide, you know, race to, to elect Jamie Harrison for the U.S. Senate um, is really big here. And so we know that we're going to be able to do that as long as we keep everybody engaged towards that common goal. Well, I think you both make sound arguments, and I I can as as a generation Z or myself on behalf of those in my generation. What's so is Tamika laughing? 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't know I'm a generation, but but I think that what you just said, Tamika, and that's what I've been saying. You don't reform the police simply by marching. And this is the same generation that would say to us sometimes, we march and don't work no more. You got to vote down ballot because Tamika, it's city councils and all police are governed locally. So it's city councils and mayors that you got to light them up if you really want to establish civilian complaint review, civilian oversight, and those things we say we need. Though you can't tweak those into existence. So I think what you said to me is important just the, in terms of the applicability of voting um, at, that, at that level and, and just how critical that is. Um, before we go, Glenda, first, first of all, such a pleasure to have you. Um, you all can take over anytime. I was raised exclusively black, black, by black women. And so I was raised to be obedient to black women and most black women tell me what to do. So it just happens that way. I'm good with that. That's how I am. Um, and you all welcome here frequently. But uh, first of all, uh, uh, Glenda, let us know what are some of the current things that Higher Heights is is doing. I know you, you, you've you been very busy. And I like that terminology, Zoom streets. I, I, I'm going to borrow that if you don't mind. But you all have been real active out here in these Zoom streets. Yep. So this is a record-breaking year for Black women, as I mentioned. And so there, uh, this year, we have a record number of Black women running for uh, Congress. In fact, 117 of them filed. Black women? Black women ran for, like, filed for office. We are now down to the Democratic, you know, to the general election, and we currently still have a record high of 40, um, I'm sorry, 61 Black women still running, 48 Democrats, and, and 13 Republicans, right? So there, there is a record number of totally women running. And so this year you see that there's actually more African-American women, Republican women nominees and Republican black women nominees. Cause again, we're not a monolith. Um, and so it, we are poised to have a record number of black women serve in Congress. Um, still a lot of work to be done in the U.S. Senate. Um, so if we don't elect a black woman to the U.S. Senate and Kamala Harris ascends to be vice president, we will not have a black woman in the U.S. Senate. Um, and so our work is to recruit, train, and support black women to run for office. We are a political home for black women, a place for us to be informed, engaged, and to take action. And that has been the work of Higher Heights. We, you know, our, our political action committee have endorsed amazing black women across this country running for federal office, statewide executive office, and mayors of top 100 cities. And at the end of the day, we have just a little over 50 days until uh, until voting ends, right? It's not election day until voting ends. Um, and our work is to organize black women to the polls and ensure that we are creating the environment for black women to vote, run, win, and lead. And so if you are interested in learning more about the black women running across this country, we have a series that's called She's Got Next. It's a virtual meet and greet. And so you can meet the black women over the next couple of weeks. Um, and if you're looking for ways to um, not only organize your Rolodex or your your contacts, you know, dated myself Rolodex, our, our, your contacts, you can join us in making sister sister phone calls to voters across the country. Um, you can hustle with Black women, and it's a platform where we can text voters. And so there's a little work to be done. We might not traditionally be knocking door to door, 
but we literally can sit in our house and not only talk to our neighbors, but talk to the black women across this country um, and give them all the tools they need um, for us to vote, run, win, and lead in November. Amen. Yeah, you as as Generation Z, I, I didn't know which one. What, what's the Rolodex? I never. Rolodex. <laughs> and Glenda forgot to also say, and people can can donate. I love it. I get texts from Glenda's team saying, "Hey, Tamika, can you? Yeah, you, we're doing this. Can you chip in? You know, twenty five dollars a day." Um, and so, you know, these things take take money as well. And I, I think that's where I see a whole lot of folks getting involved this year that I hadn't. Folks who realize that my ten twenty five dollars actually can make a difference. And so, you know, that's something you can do as well. Yeah, and I will share share that is that. Black women rotate like more dollars in this economy than anybody else. We actually spend over 50 something billion dollars a year on beauty aids. I'm sure that number has gone up now that we have to do our own hair, eyebrows, <laughs> all of our maintenance. But at the end of the day, imagine if we shifted just a percentage of that economic might to our political stewardship. And as Tamika mentioned, oftentimes we think we have to give a lot of money politically to matter, but it literally is that $1, that $3, that $5, we are actually collectively stronger together. And so I'll give you an example. You know, um, After George Floyd's killing, many organizations had an uptick of fundraising, right? People felt like they needed to do something in that moment and it was them opening up their pocketbooks and their wallets. And we ended up having grassroots dollars, like over 20,000 contributions in one month and the average contribution was $17. Wow, well, those small dollar donations do make a difference more than people realize. Tamika, before we go, what else are you up to? Where can people find you out here in these, in these uh, physical streets or Zoom streets? Wherever. Well, people can find me. I am um, a member of Columbia, South Carolina City Council. I'm um, working on, I'm on the National League of Cities Board of Directors. So I'm working with elected officials all over this country to try and make sure that we are implementing policies that really Im invest in our communities. Um, and so you can find me on all social media at uh, Tamika Isaac Devine. Um, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, but right now, Mark, I am looking for a victory um, in November and then an administration that will support state and local governments to actually making some change in this country, making sure we're investing in affordable housing, making sure that we're investing in a public education system that works, make sure that we're investing in um, investment in our black businesses. So um, I want to make sure that people understand and partner with us to do that. Um, thank you, Tamika Devine of the Columbia South Carolina City Council, Glenda, Glenda, did you give out Higher Heights website? I was like, Tamika was good. So we are um, at higherheightsforamerica.org. Become a member and you will have access to all of our training, all of our programming, um, an amazing network of Black women and our allies like Mark across this country, um, ready to ensure that we help Black women lead. Indeed. And yes, I am an ally and an ad your service, this platform is available to the work that all of you all do whenever you need it, it is yours. I want to thank Linda Carr of Higher Heights and Tamika Devine of the Columbia, South Carolina City Council. Folks, we are winning with black women. Keep that hashtag in mind, win with black women. Hashtag also black women lead, very important. This is our time and let's take advantage of it. Thank you both god you are our refuge 
Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.